Welcome, everyone, to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 22. We're going to be joining you every week to talk IT career, news, and opinions based on our points of view. I'm your host, John White, at BJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? It's going okay, John. I've been a little anxious, a little tense, trying to prepare for this episode, but we'll see how it goes. Full disclosure, we are both VMware solution engineers looking to bring you the career advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. Hopefully our career discussions will be relevant across disciplines and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Great, Nick. I'm really enjoying that opening. I- I'm I'm wedded to it. 22 episodes in. How about you? Yeah, we're one step away from the Michael Jordan episode. I'm pretty excited. But, you know, th- the anxiety is really getting the best of me, John. I mean, I've been trying to mentally prepare, but also I've been trying to prepare by exercising to keep my mind off of it. You know, one of my New Year's resolutions was to exercise twice a week. So in the first few weeks of the year, <laughs> I went three times. And I must say, I am feeling some pain, but it's good pain. Nice. Nice. Yes, I have still yet to go swing dancing, but I will fix that. I, I'm promising myself I will fix that uh, this week on a Tuesday, I hope. Is, it, yeah. from, is it like a lower charge to go on Tuesdays or something? No, that's just the, the closest place uh, in Oakland. Um, oh, okay. For, for anybody who uh, is local to the Bay Area who wants to go swing dancing with me, uh, tweet at VJourneyman and I'll tell you where I go on Tuesday nights. Sounds like you're going to start a new swing dance meetup group. Yeah, it's already a meetup group. It's the... Uh, uh, actually, I don't know if they use meetup. I think they just use their website. But yeah. IT uh, guys and gals who go swing dancing meetup group. No, I'm not going to do that. Just, just DM me and we'll we'll hook it up. All right. <laughs> you heard it here. All right. Let's uh, get to the topic. Um, after collectively holding our breath for the past week, uh, we are going to be getting into Nick's uh, one year check in at VMware Part Two, where I ask you questions um, about. Uh, things that I've wondered for the past year as you've uh, been uh, working at VMware. Um, I think I forgot to say this last week, but we did have um, episodes where we talked about uh, what what you've done before. Episode one uh, was your first week at VMware, and episode 10 was a seven-month check-in. So anybody who's interested can go back and check out those episodes. Um, but I think a lot of what I'm going to ask you today you know, spoiler alert is follow-up questions from uh, things we talked about then. So let's get into it. Now, wait a minute. Before, when you ask these questions, do I get points for getting them right? Is that how it works? They're all true-false questions. Uh, no, that's okay, perfect. Right. And they're all the ones that we practice right before the show? They're, they're actually graded on a 10-point scale. Actually, it's like uh, the VMware Certified Professional uh, exam. Ooh, so I need 300 to pass. That's right. And each question, there is an undefined number of points that you will never find out. <laughs> <laughs> Some are weighted heavier than others, but I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. Great. <laughs> Go for it. All right. Let's get into it. Um, 
one of the the very first questions that I have is about extracurricular activities like um, engagement with online communities. And and I think even in that first episode, you asked me about it, like what was, you know, the effect of coming to the um, solution engineer role on, you know, what effect that that had on my um, engagement with online communities and ongoing work. And, and so maybe I wanted to throw that back on you and say, you know, one year in, what effect has the role been on your participation with those groups? Well, I'm still the co-leader of the Dallas-Fort Worth Spice Corps, so an IT generalist group that meets here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. We try to meet every couple months, talk about different technologies. So one thing I'll say is that just because I work for VMware, that group is not owned by VMware now. We still talk about general IT topics, and I try to remain unbiased in what we select for that. And I like to learn from the people who come and and give, you know, hear what they have to say. I I try to post in Mango Lossy and Spiceworks when I can, but I feel like that's gone down quite a bit just because of the travel element and the hustle and bustle of going to meetings. It it seems like it's a little bit more difficult to do it. But I, you know, when I do post, I just try to be helpful and and answer questions, usually in the same way I did before I took the job. You know, I'm not sure. th- I'm not there to to be super salesy. Oh, you need to buy this. And I might say, well, I would think about it this way. Right, right. And I try to go to the VMware user groups whenever I can. A lot of times, I'll see customers there. Uh, I got the chance to actually speak at a user con back in October about Visa, and that was that was a lot of fun. So I hope to get to do more of those types of speaking engagements in the future. But I, I do think that those communities are a great way for anyone who wants to stay on top of technology trends to do so in a relatively easy way because all kinds of different technologies are going to be discussed and the reasons for their implementation. And I, I think it's great. Even if you're not answering questions, you can ask questions. You can read through what other people have said. There's a There are a lot of forums on Reddit as well. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, uh, my, I think, experience tracks with that of yours. It's like, ooh, it's a little bit tougher to, to stay involved with the communities that I was engaged with. I still want to maintain those connections. Can't do it as often as I did before. Um, but what about this transition to quote-unquote sales, right? So typically, for people who don't know, systems engineering, solution engineering, pre-sales engineering is... Um, an organization that lives within, but apart from a sales organization, you know? So I think that you had some trepidation about what it was like to be compensated based, you know, a little bit compensated based on sales and, and how that would affect, you know, your thoughts, um, your feelings, and, and even, you know, the fact that you're dealing with customers, how technical you would stay. What, what's that effect been? over time. Well, as you said, you know, at first I was a little bit nervous. Oh, am I going to lose all my technical skills because I am not the person who is hands on keyboard every single day solving problems for end users at an organization. I might be solving problems for customers in a different way. I may I might be the person who's advocating for them to get help with something, but I'm not actually 
fixing the problem at a technical level necessarily. And, uh, you know, I do miss some of the, some of the technical pieces, having, having the hands on and, and working on servers and different things. I, I try to do that when I can, you know, whether it's in a lab or, or something of that nature, but you just aren't going to get that many chances when you come over to the pre-sale side. Obviously we have to keep up with the technical ins and outs of our products, the, the technical trends in the industry, but it's, it's definitely different. I, I don't feel like I've lost too much of my technical edge, but I've had to learn a lot about the sales process as well. I, I really do enjoy talking with customers about the things they're doing, the technologies they're using, you know, within our portfolio and even outside of that. What else are you using for X, Y, Z? Tell me about it because that may be something that I need to learn about too that could help me be more effective as I meet with more and more customers. And I, I had a fear of maybe not being technical enough when I got into the role. And I think the are you technical enough question really depends on the people you're meeting with you're going to come into contact with customers that probably know more than you do. Like they just do for whatever reason, you know, they're super sharp and you just don't know as much as they do. And you have to be okay with that. And you're going to come into other conversations where, yeah, you are the technical superstar and you know that you, you know more than, than your audience. So you, you, you got to learn how to tailor your conversations to your audience. I think, a lot more about reading people, still being technical, but understanding when to go technical and when to back off a little bit and see the big picture. Right, right. Now, I, that all makes sense to me. And again, it tracks with my experience. Um, I want to drill into something I think that I talked about a little bit at the beginning, and, and that is that we are partially compensated based on sales. Um, do you feel like that compromises your opinion like when you're talking to your customer i try not to let it obviously you know we do have we do have incentives to sell our products but what i don't want i never want to sell a customer a product they're not going to use or that won't help solve the problem they told us they had if i if i end up doing that to make the money then i've done my customer a disservice you know, if I, if I know something isn't going to work, I should just be honest about it and tell the customer that. So in my opinion, my goal is to be a truth teller in terms of, is this going to work? Does this fit with the requirements you have? Or, or maybe it does partially, but we're not there yet to just paint the picture of what it might be like to use this technology to try to solve that problem. Yeah, that makes sense. And you never know when, you know, that person that you're dealing with is going to move on to a bigger company and, and then be like a huge part of like your next uh, relationship. Right. So if you burn them one time, like that, that could be a long-term problem. Right. And I mean, having been in it operations, I used to be on the other side of the table. So I want to treat that person the same way that I would want to have been treated when I was in that role. And I hope right. that, being in this new role on the vendor side, I won't ever forget what it was like to be on the other side because once I do, I've lost all relevance to customers. Yeah, yeah, 
Absolutely. Makes absolute sense. I mean, that's a big part of the job then is to, to empathize with that person on the other side of the table, you know, understand the actual problem that they're trying to solve. And honestly, sometimes it's, it's guiding them, right? It's, you know, I think IT operations people, if you're not speaking high enough up in the organization, you know, they're baffled why you wouldn't want to use the latest technology, right? Of course. This is, you know, it's, you know, the backup product version 10 instead of version eight, it's too better. Why wouldn't we want to be too better? Right. And, um, you need to help them explain to their higher ups why they need to invest, you know, money, even if they're entitled to a product and an implementation, you know, why aren't our backups good enough? No, it's not about good enough. It's about, you know, solving this other problem, having impact on the budget this way. We're actually going to save money because of X, you know, and, and just uh, having the latest and greatest isn't, you know, really a selling point. And it's not an investment that, you know, a VP wants to make, like, you know, right. I want, I want to be better. Why? You know, you have to, you have to understand, you know, the, the whys and the motivations higher up in the organization. And we want to help those people be the heroes that are providing value to the organization as a whole, helping move the needle for the business itself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's how you gain relevance within an organization, right? Absolutely. All right. Let me transition away from that and ask you about um, general culture. Um, we've done a couple shows about culture and, and reasons to quit a job and reasons to leave a company. And, and a lot of that has been focusing on culture of an organization. And again, we don't want to kind of turn this into a VMware um, advertisement, but it would be interesting to hear your take on VMware culture and how that is in contrast with you know what your expectations were and maybe in contrast with, you know, places you've worked in the past. So in places that I've worked in the past, most of the people I would work with, at least in the same department, were at the same geographical location. So I could walk over and talk to them if I needed to. I would, I would work with people that were at remote locations as well. I, you know, talk to them over the phone, correspond via email, chat, also sometimes go and visit. So for my my peers on other SEs in the same region as me, my first conversations with them were over the phone. So I didn't get to meet them face to face. I had I had met my manager in person, of course, in the interview, but not all of my colleagues. And I didn't I don't think I got to do that for several months. And so I would talk to them over the phone, over email, and they were they were more than willing to help me. But I think something allows you to make a better connection with people after you can meet them in person. It's not that you can't have a good relationship if you've never met someone in person, but meeting someone in person, spending some time with them face-to-face really creates a rapport that's going to be different and I think more impactful than if all you had ever done was correspond via phone, email, and chat. And, you know, we've had some regular team offsites where we've been able to, to visit with one another and get to know our peers on a, on a deeper level. Everyone I've asked for help has been happy to help me. 
and I've tried to offer that same help to to new team members as they've come aboard throughout the year, trying to share some of the things I wish I knew when I started, you know, from a procedural standpoint and just tips and tricks. So it it's important to keep those relationships going because when people are out of sight, sometimes they are out of mind too. And you, you may have to do that. You're going to have to do that with your extended account team too. You have specialists, uh, sales reps who may or may not be, you may not see every day. So it's important to make sure that you have a good relationship with all those people so that you can work well together. So, yeah, I, I heard the term matrixed organization and I had to investigate what that was and it, you know, kind of, works out with like like many people working, you know, in concert on the same goal, like, but still with different reporting structures. And it, it was definitely, you know, a, an experience to move from like, maybe you have like a direct manager who's, you know, directing what you're doing to like an entire group of people, each within a different reporting structure, all working towards the same goal. And you know, keeping track of them and being geographically dispersed and, you know, not necessarily meeting them for months and months and months. It's, you know, phone calls. Um, it's a really interesting point. I'm going to have to mark that down too, as, you know, an adjustment that, you know, individually we have to, to make, you know, some people, they might be fine with it. Some people work much better face-to-face -face or maybe at a minimum over video where they can read body language. Um, but it is definitely a new new experience. I'm sure that's probably been weird for some customers because, you know, I've been to a customer meeting where it's the first time I've met someone I've talked to on the phone 40 times, but they happen to be in person at this customer meeting. Oh, Hey, you're so-and-so. I've talked to you a bunch of times, never met you in person. Nice to meet you. And I'm sure the customer's going, wait, you've never met each other. How's that possible? <laughs> right. Right. Too funny. And then what about um, some of the other things? Like I think I mentioned kind of the training pace and you, you touched on that a little bit. Um, how has your observation of that? You know, I, I think I said it was the first company that I worked for that expected like, a, like this tempo of training and enablement every quarter. Has that been your experience as well? I mean, this is the, yes, this is the first organization that I've had that happen in. Uh, the one I worked for before this had a, a learning platform and there was a lot of good information in it. So it was kind of the beginnings, but coming here to VMware and the dedicated time for quarterly training plans is something that I really love. Even though, you know, we've had a mixture of live sessions versus recorded training and it's, I think it's really been helpful to, to help fill the gaps in, in what you know. And, you know, I, there's some element of training that you have to do on your own. As I said before, you may spot a weakness in your own knowledge that you need to go and study up on so that you can be more effective with customers, partners, and people you're talking to. So not only are the quarterly training plans required, you have to consistently evaluate yourself and say, do I know enough to speak intelligently about 
not only these technologies, but business in general, the sales process, the technology landscape. And of course, communities are, technology communities are great for that. Customer meetings help with this too, because a lot of times customers really want to tell you about the cool things they're doing. And something you learn from one of your customers could actually be (laughs) something you use to help another customer solve a problem. Not by giving away proprietary information, but, you know, oh, I've heard of other companies using this tool and it really helped them solve this problem. Maybe you should look into that as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, Sometimes it's just even like a a framework of thinking or a a mental model and how to use a platform. That's a really good point. What about um, management? I know that you probably don't want to uh, just badmouth your manager. Um, so I won't. Yeah, that guy's a real jerk. No, I, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Charlie Nickel, if you're listening, I love you. But I I didn't really know what to expect, John. You know, I think a lot of times we get this feeling when our manager calls us unexpectedly or asks us to step into their office, a feeling that you're walking into the principal's office. At least that that's what happens in the pit of my stomach sometimes. Even though I know I've done nothing wrong, I just have that innate feeling sometimes. And I, f- I feel like the management style that's been exhibited to me from managers at VMware is different from anything I've ever seen or experienced. When, in, when you're in an operations role, a lot of times it's, hey, where are we at on these five things? Here's the agenda for the day. Let's get to it. Do you have any questions? What, what are your updates on these things? And this is very different. It's more of a, let's get to know one another a little bit. How can I help you with what you're doing? What questions do you have for me? You know, we talked about in the episode about an effective one-on-one with your manager. You get to bring things as part of the agenda, and it, it's not just your manager telling you exactly what to do. So you're taking a much more active part, I think, in the in the one-on-one. And there may be things that I need from a manager that somebody else does not, and and vice versa. So I can identify some of my weaknesses that I need help with, or things that I'm being blocked on and might need to leverage his authority on. And he can also give me feedback on, well, I might do it this way, or I'm seeing this pattern of behavior and I think you might want to correct it. You know, do you know that this is happening? He can also give some feedback that, that you didn't know. You know. We had a career conversation and and I asked, well, what do you think I should be when I grow up? And I got some really interesting feedback that I wasn't able to say on behalf of myself, sometimes you need that other person to give you some insight into the way your brain works and the way your behaviors are that you just can't see. Yeah. Did I answer your question? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's that, it's that outside perspective and it's interesting to hear about, you know, that style of management um, as part of your experience at VMware. I, I'm sure that, you know, different teams have different managers and different styles, but I have found that that, that um, person to guide you on the journey is a consistent thing that I've found within the company. And it's, it's refreshing and interesting and new. 
And it makes me think, well, that's probably how management should work. Um, you know, well, here's the things that I need from you. Go do them. What can I do to help you achieve them? Are there any problems? If I notice that there's any problems, then I'll bring them to your attention. But other than that, like, you know, we're all part of the team. It's, it's an interesting way to view it. And this was the first time I had ever worked for a manager who didn't live in the same city as me, didn't come to an office where I was. So he's completely remote and I might see him only a few times a year in person, but we still have regular one-on-ones. So the having a steady one-on-one is to make sure that we're keeping in touch with one another and I'm not falling out of his mind and he's not falling out of my mind. It takes a little more effort to maintain that relationship this way. But I mean, I've really enjoyed it that it creates a lot of freedom that I'm still adjusting to honestly, but in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. You've mentioned a couple of times about, you know, fearing the technical gap. Um, So I'm going to ask you about skills. Um, Are there skills that you wish that you'd had before joining VMware um, that would actually be reasonable to try to acquire ahead of time? Um, I think so. I I mean, I was not what you consider the classically trained IT guy coming over from being a math teacher and diving into the technology world. So I never really took any classes on basic networking. Kind of had to figure out a lot on my own there. I've done things with VLANs and switches and routers, but I'm certainly not a routing and switching guru. That's something that even now... I feel like I need to spend some more time on and, and really get down. I know that's a, a big weakness in my game today. So maybe the maybe the network virtualization certification path is in my future sometime. I think that would help build me up a little bit. And then I also, I think containers are a big blind spot for me. While I know a little bit about them, I feel like I need to be a lot deeper because that's coming up more and more as we're talking with different customers. And that's just not something I was familiar with when I was a customer. So that's a, it's a definite blind spot. And I, I've done presentations and I feel like I can do them. Okay. But I think that I'd like to do more presentations from a community standpoint and just continue to practice and improve in that area. I would also say before, that I, you know, coming from only the manufacturing and HR services industries, I've had to to ramp on different industry-specific regulations that are important to customers. So that was definitely kind of a black hole. Didn't know that much about PCI compliance before because I never had to adhere to it. So I've had to learn some more about that and, and other different regulations. Uh, yeah, industry-specific stuff is always really interesting to learn. But that's one of those things that I, I feel like you couldn't really know until you hear from, like, 300 different people. Right? That's a good point. Yeah. And technology is always a, a moving game, especially in software. So, you know, you get different methodologies and, and different technologies, and it's like, oh, hey, now we want to do it this way infrastructure the same way, right? If you didn't work for VMware or, you know, didn't know about VMware, then 
you know, virtualization would have been like a revolutionary new thing. It's like, oh, geez, I got to know about this or um, a big thing that's happening. You know, some of my customers are asking me about serverless. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, that's more of like a development thing. Are, are you asking me to, you know, get involved on your dev side? I mean, that's definitely something that I can help out with. But, you know, are, are you just asking about the the buzzword or, you know, what's the, the context for the conversation. Yeah. Let me know how that goes, John. If you decide to moonlight as a developer for any particular customer, let me know what languages you have to learn for that. What languages I'm, I'm into language list development now. <laughs> you just the speak latest. the code and it comes into existence. Is Alexa helping with this? <laughs> it's interesting you said about what you said about presentations though. I mean, that's one thing that I think that is, it's a skill that people don't know as a whole until they, you know, sit through a bunch of presentations that are bad and they go, well, let me try to do one. And, you know, you're probably going to be bad at it too until you're not right. And you just need those repetitions and, and that practice of doing presentations, um, even from the crafting and the messaging and knowing your audience, like those are all things that, you know, you, you just have to work on and you have to do it ahead of time. Um, you know, I, I don't know, maybe in schools today, they teach how to do PowerPoint, you know, but maybe they don't. And uh, maybe there's a whole generation of people that are going to be much, much better at it than I, you know, um, they know how to type and they know how to do PowerPoint. Well, it's all about the PowerPoint, right? <laughs> Death by PowerPoint. You just get up there and you read the presentation verbatim and you're good, right? Oh, yeah. That's exactly what I do. It's, it's almost like I just type in a Word document into a slide and then read it to the audience because they don't know how to read. <laughs> you know... Is what I interpreted from some presenters. <laughs> That's so funny. But one of my other observations that just popped in my head is I think the whole presentation and gearing that presentation to your audience is so much like education that I really like it. It, it just gives me that rush of adrenaline because you, you can only prepare so much for things like that. You can know your technology well, you can know your audience well, but sometimes during the course of the presentation, you really do have to be ready to pivot and push it in a different direction based on how the conversation needs to go, based on what the audience needs to hear. And those are always fun for me to, when you can successfully pull off the pivot and, mm. and get the conversation going in a, in a constructive direction for all parties. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> that's a really powerful feeling. It's, it's a rush. Like you said, like that's really cool. Um, this is, uh, again, we're focusing on people who are, are making their career journeys. And I know that, you know, this time that, that you got hired at VMware was not the first time that you applied at VMware. So maybe if you could, could you talk a little bit about those previous applications and what you learned? And then maybe the contrast of, you know, this time, what went differently as opposed to the last times. Okay. Well, I will say that up until you and I started talking, I guess I didn't realize that a sales engineer or solution engineer was really a thing. 
when I was in internal IT, I I remembered them coming to visit and talk to me about different things, but I didn't really think of that as a career path necessarily. So I think just having your eyes open to what's out there and what's adjacent to the role you're in right now, like a natural next step or progression is really powerful. You know, there were some Geek Whisperers episodes about that. The Silicon Valley VMUG episodes, some of my favorites where they talked about, oh, you could work for a VAR, you could work for a vendor, you could go work for a bigger company. A, a lot of different things. You could go into a specialty. So a lot of it is education and knowing what types of roles are out there that I could be qualified for based on the experience I have. Now, in my particular experience, the first time I applied for the solution engineer role, I didn't have as much VMware experience at the time. So my my use of VMware technologies was even smaller than it was when I entered in December 2017. So I, I got to a certain point, and I think the the requisition fell through or something like that, but it was good conversations. I I learned from the manager I spoke to. I learned from the HR person I spoke to. And then I was actually able to move to a different position at a different company. And I was, I got exposed to more of the VMware portfolio. I got to use it. I got to learn about it. I blogged about it. I gave a talk at VMworld about it on the V Brown bag stage. And I think that really helped propel me to a point where okay, maybe I'm not all the way up to the technical level a hiring manager would want me to be at, but I possessed some of the qualities that would allow me to learn what I needed to learn to be effective in the role. And they could see that based on my progression through you know, the first role I had in internal IT for nine years, coming out of education, and then going to the HR services industry in a different IT role, and my progression there and all the things I was able to learn to propel me forward. Yeah. And communicate about, right. Cause you had some record of doing that. You could point to the V Brown bag video. You could maybe point to your Spiceworks talks and then they could actually evaluate you in front of people um, as opposed to kind of just looking at you in, on paper. Right. That is the nice thing about getting a blog out there, contributing on LinkedIn, doing videos, contributing in communities. It gives you this body of work that someone can go and look at and really assess what you know, or at least to some extent, see what you know, in addition to that piece of paper. And it makes you more of a human and gives you a bigger impact. And if I hadn't done those things, I I don't think that I would have had a chance to get the job at VMware, to be honest with you. I think you were the one that encouraged me to start my own blog because I had written a couple of articles and you said, man, why don't you spin up your own site? And so I did. And though I don't get to blog as often as I would like to, I still try to put the content out there to, to help other people out in the community. And I think that by doing that, I've learned a lot it's made me a better communicator from the writing and hopefully it's helped a lot of other people that have read it. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. So with that in mind, any recommendations that you would make for, for other people who are thinking about walking this path, 
um, maybe at VMware, maybe at you know a, a different company within you know the the ecosystem that that might actually you know be their next job. I would say don't sell yourself short. Go and look, see what jobs are out there. Look through the job description and find that relatable experience. You know, we talked about on the podcast before, I got asked at every level, you know, do you have sales experience? And well, it depends on what you mean by sales experience. So I was able to use that relatable experience from working a help desk and being part of a consulting firm to get some sales skills, get some interpersonal skills that would help propel me to where I am now. If you're, if you're someone who doesn't have a body of work other than a resume, I would start participating in these online communities, see what people are asking about, see what people are talking about and spin up a profile. It's free. It's going to take some time for you to gain strength in that area and flex those muscles. But by doing those extracurricular activities like participating in communities online or maybe just in person. If, if you happen to co-lead a community group or be a member who gave a presentation at a community group, that's valuable, marketable experience for you as you move forward in your career. So don't forget to leave, to include those things as you think about applying for another job. I think that sometimes we forget about all the possible things from a life experience, a hobby experience, a job experience that make us a complete and total candidate for a new role. Right. Right. I like what you said, you know, previously about relatable experience too. And, you know, sneak preview, I think maybe we're going to talk um, in uh, subsequent episodes about, um, how to read one of those uh, job descriptions and, and you know, maybe think about if you don't have relatable experience, uh, you know, what you need to do to go out and get it, um, if that's a whole. So, yeah, really like that. Um, anything else before we end up? Mm, well, you're, you have no chance to get a job you don't apply for. So... Don't, don't count yourself out automatically. If you're not sure whether you're qualified, why not try reaching out to someone else who does the job and talk to them about what is it like? Here's what, here's what I do today. Here are my, here's my experience level with this technology. Here are the other things I'm doing. What do you think about whether I'm qualified for this role? And if you have that community presence or you've built up that network of folks, I think you're going to get some valuable insight there that's going to either say, yeah, we think you can do it, so go ahead and apply, or yes, you can apply, but you still need to work on these things in, in our opinion. Yeah, and this gives me the opportunity to uh, volunteer next time if you're looking for informational interviews on pre-sales engineering at the Nick Cordy School of Pre-Sales Solution Engineering. Um, I am only an adjunct professor, um, and I, my, I, geez, I don't even think my uh, my contract is being renewed. So uh, you might need to go directly to Nick. But in all seriousness, reach out to Nick or or I 
um, if you are thinking about making that jump to solution engineering and you want to know what that job is, um, we're trying to maybe um, do as many, uh, you know, one-to-many versions of that, you know, and this discussion is part of it, but, um, you know, if you need more of a one-on-one -on -one, uh, version of that, we'd be happy, I think either of us would be happy to to spend some time with you and, and talk through, you know, what it, where it is you are now, what you need to do, and, and then maybe some other paths, you know, maybe solution engineering isn't it, uh, maybe there's some other paths that are available, so. With that said, I think that's it for that segment, Nick. Uh, and as a result, all the topics we had planned. Um, one last chance, anything else pop into your mind while we talk? No. All I'll say is that this podcast has been brought to you by the John White School of Mentoring. Just a reminder, again, that we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful, and we're always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter, at Nerd Journey, and that's where you can reach out to if you, too, would like to be a student of the John White School of Mentoring. You've heard the curricula here, folks. I know everybody's hungry for more, so pricing and packaging to come, folks. <laughs> All right. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at VJourneyman for Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore signing off. Adios. Adios.